0: From the Hamburglar to Hannibal, we're talking goalie masks. Also, under new management, nearly a quarter of NHL clubs have new men or old men behind the bench. And also, we go west. We go to the Pacific and the Central Division. Week one is pretty much done in the NHL. It's time to dig deep, get pucks in the back of the net and think of every blooming cliche that you can think of. Welcome to NHL fans from afar. Um, our week of back in the NHL somehow was like a baptism of fire if you were a Toronto Maple Leafs fan um, because we had not one, not two, not three but four games so I felt like I had pretty much no time to do anything else this week other than watch hockey which, let's face it if you're a fan of the sport there's worse things that you could be spending doing in your spare time so Sunday morning... That favourite time of the week for me where I get my breakfast in bed, I go get a cup of tea, I get up early, see the sunrise, and then I crawl back into bed with my breakfast, get my nice little slipper socks on, and I put the telly on, and I watched whatever game Toronto have played on Saturday night. And I do all those things that you do where you turn your notifications off. And then I made a stupid, stupid error in that I opened up my NHL Fantasy app to see how my team and matchups had done and I accidentally saw the score of the game that I just started watching. So there is no safe place to go on the internet or on the phone when you're avoiding trying to get those important scores. Unfortunately today I have two people who hopefully might have some sympathy on that um as uh we have a vancouver canucks fan and also dallas stars fan with us today so hello to matt and to andy how are you
1: hello yeah good thanks yeah i'll share your pain on the fantasy league stuff oh. in some ways i regret doing it because you're always just looking at the games aren't you looking at is he going to make one more hit there just to um And you're you're almost cheering against your own players sometimes,
0: which is wrong. Now, that is exactly the point, Andy, actually, because uh, Adam, who was on last week, is currently in a fantasy matchup with Matt, who's on this week, the Mr. Dallas. And uh, Matt, you got quite a a kind of a blessing in disguise, but was also quite painful for you in that (laughs) you got Anthony uh, Mantha, who got four goals in one game. Yep. And so you get the points on your fantasy league. But unfortunately, he plays for Detroit Red Wings, which are Adam's team. And so basically he got smashed in fantasy matchup by one of his own players.
2: Ouch. Yeah, but those four goals were against Dallas. So <laughs> I'd rather have not had the fantasy points and got the, uh, the two points for Dallas. But uh, never mind. Some, some slight consolation, I suppose.
0: So how many games have you guys had to watch this week?
2: Uh,
1: had to watch. I've had to watch two Canucks games. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I saw the um, um, Toronto-Montreal game. That was quite entertaining. The um, the, the 5-5 one.
0: I don't know if it's entertaining is the word because, uh, I mean, for those people who aren't Leafs fans, what happened was we were nailing it and we entered the third 4-1, you know, up. And then uh, a whole host of things happened, really. In short, the most amusing moment, I suppose I can say it's amusing now, was uh, Kasperi Kapanen, whose stick broke whilst he was in play, and then he threw it, but he threw it at the player with the puck, of which nobody seemed to know during the game what was going to happen next. It's like everybody just assumed it would be a minor penalty. In fact, I think uh, Kapanen was even heading over towards... uh, to, to the um to the penalty box and michael hutchinson who was the goalie um in the net for toronto didn't know it was going to be a penalty shot until about 30 seconds before the guy actually took it so um and then they scored three on us, uh brought it back to 4-4 it did the 5-4 5-5 dance and then they they went on and beat us in a shootout so oh but see, when I read it on the fantasy app, I read it wrong. I thought that we had won in a shootout. Um, so that was even more painful then, uh, when you think you know what's going to happen and then actually what you thought was going to happen doesn't happen. So, mm. I don't know.
1: So, but... From a neutral's point of view, though, you can't get much more from a game. You know, Five goals from each side, uh, going all the way to penalties at the end as well. Some sort of weird refereeing decision. Yeah, it's pretty much... All you need, right? Really.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was a great Saturday night game. And actually, I was thinking uh, when I went back and edited, um, you know, and uploaded last week's podcast after we'd done it, I kind of thought, God, I'm a miserable Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I'm just a <laughs> pessimist and I'm moaning. And um, and I think it was just because I hadn't really got chance to really. It's just all talk. There was no action. But watching the games this week has been really quite exciting. We've got some great new talents. Um, William Nylander is is doing fantastic. I mean, he's changed his number to 88. Um, he's still got the, you know, the, the smooth haircut, but he's absolutely on fire. And there's this kind of whole hokey cokey going on um, of people who are doing the dance on the fourth line. But it's a really exciting team to watch and um, listening to some of the guys on Hockey Central who were responding to comments that were were on Coach's Corner on Hockey Night in Canada on that Saturday night uh, from Don Cherry who was saying that Toronto Maple Leafs aren't a Stanley Cup um, winning team because they have the missing ingredient of team toughness. Um I I mean, yeah, as as people are saying, they've made a gamble the Leafs have, and it's all about skill. It's not about the big hits and the fights. Um and whether that will pay off, we'll find out. But um but yeah, team toughness has been something that's been interesting, hasn't it? Because we've seen some big injuries and also we've seen Sidney Crosby have a fight. I mean yeah. I did not expect to see that, but hey, as uh as a couple of um, people have tweeted, who are, when you need to do it, you need to do it. Did absolutely. you guys watch it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was I was impressed with it. I think okay, it wasn't it wasn't the best fight, but for a guy like Sidney Crosby to uh, stand up for teammates and and things and set that example, I think that's that's going to go a long way with the Pens team um, and the, and the younger players. Um so yeah no I, I I was really impressed that he did it um mm. and I think more more um sort of skillful senior players should should kind of continue with that
0: Yeah um I mean I think we asked I I asked uh, a couple of the Pens fans on our Twitter feed at NHL fans from afar whether they thought it was necessary or nuts um, <laughs> it's a crude way of uh, analysing it. But the British Penguins fans uh, fan club came back to me and said, they thought it was necessary and nuts. It should have been someone else doing it. But if he was the one there, then so be it. He can handle himself if needs be. It really just shows that someone like him is an all-rounder. He can literally do a bit of everything. Yeah.
2: It was more of a wrestling match than a fight, though, wasn't it, really? Let's be
0: honest. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you want in mm. week one, isn't it? That's... Uh, that's what you need, but then I guess you know we should also mention before we kind of get into both of your teams about the news around the league and the big news at the start of this week was about the the injuries um, with Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Um, massive, massive blow, isn't there? I'm just trying to yeah. find the the tweet now.
2: So Malkin's out. Malkin. Yeah. Did they say? I think they said it was until the new year, so he's not out for the season, but. I can't uh, remember
0: the phrase that the manager used, but something like, he he won't be back soon. Something like yeah. that. Um, and with the Pittsburgh Penguins having that rocky end to like last season, um, almost not making the playoffs and being injury-ridden then, it's probably not the greatest uh, start to their season that they really need. They need to kind of be coming back and firing all cylinders, really. So anyway... So that's that. What else have I got on my uh, list? I I was learning about pickle juice the other day because they were talking about it in one of the games. (laughs) I did not know that pickle juice apparently helps with cramping. Did you? All these weird facts.
1: I've I've heard people drinking it before, yeah. Yeah. Why? You would want to. I'll uh, take take the cramp (laughs) rather than drinking pickle juice. (laughs) Actually, I I seem to remember my father-in-law talking about drinking pickle juice when he was younger as well um his his family are sort of distantly polish so maybe that explains it but um yeah
0: (laughs) that's just crazy just crazy another little phrase that i heard that i hadn't heard before was taping twigs um you know like when they're kind of they're actually taping their sticks but um and the science behind that and which direction you do it and which type of tape you use you know um, players can be quite superstitious about this you know when they their stick breaks and they need to get another one quickly um the equipment managers kind of have to know the quirks of how the players like their sticks to be taped um, but i'd never i'd never heard the phrase taping twigs i thought that was quite cool actually mm. so i wrote that down in my little uh, geeky hockey pad to share with you i hope you appreciate that
1: most of my learning about um, ice hockey this summer has been through films. I've been watching a lot of ice hockey films. Like what? So um, I watched uh, both the Goon films. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, Miracle, mm-hmm. which is the story of the um, US hockey team. And I've watched, I watched part of, um, oh, it's called Slapshot. <laughs> yeah. Part of it was like, I got about part way in, I got a bit bored.
2: Oh, no, <laughs> Slapshot's brilliant. classic. <laughs>
1: Well, people keep telling me that, but I just I think, oh, it just seems so old. It seems so, it's so dated in 1970s, <laughs> yeah. but if I give it a chance, I guess, maybe it'd be right.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I spent last a lot of last year reading a lot of books, actually, ice hockey books. Um, and my favourite one still was uh, Ken Dryden, The Game. Um, it's pretty, pretty chunky, but I just thought it was uh, a real, really good, big perspective from... Someone who had been part of such a substantial, like, winning team as well, um. But just to understand the mentality of what goes on in a player, but also a goalie's mind as they're kind of traveling through, it was almost like kind of a, a day-to-day journal. It was fascinating, because I mean, I I enjoy watching the game. Don't get me wrong, but I also enjoy, I enjoy the analysis. I enjoy the stats. I enjoy the geeky little facts, the quirks of this game, um it's mad isn't it really and the stats thing on the new nhl app i mean i'll have to hold matt back because he's uh he's you're not loving the new nhl update are you but the stats thing is good right
2: yeah no i like the stats i'm just really struggling to not find out scores when trying to watch highlights of other games but um i'll i'll get there i'll get there
0: (laughs) OK, um, what else have we got in terms of uh, news? Anything that I should be pointing out? Have you guys seen anything that's caught your eyes?
2: I, I've just been um, pretty focused on, on uh, a lot of the Dallas stuff. So, yeah, not, not seen too much else from around the league.
1: Did you see the, uh, the Vegas pregame show?
2: Oh, I did see that because you Cowboys. posted it in the Slack group. Was it, was it was it you or somebody else posted it in the Slack group? Yeah,
1: no, what no, it wasn't me, but I just didn't understand it. <laughs> what happened? Was, um, Take us there. Um, something got stolen at the start. That the knight had his sword stolen. Um, then the cowboys in a helicopter had to chase the guys who had taken the sword. And then three of the Vegas players turned out to be cowboys, and then they had a fight, a sword fight with. Yeah, it was just surreal. Hang on, and then somehow it. Is, is it just,
0: this all acted, or is this yeah. like basically a bunch of chaps? No, no, no. It,
1: it wasn't genuinely, you know, actually happened. Oh. It was actors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah, then it, they sort of all appeared on the on the ice at the end, and somebody fought the knights on the ice in some sort of choreographed routine, and then the game started. But the, produ- the production the values
2: just... on it are so poor, I, I can't quite believe that they're <laughs> they're doing it. It's it's really cringy to watch.
1: <laughs> and then somewhere a puck got launched into space and then came back down again and then
2: yeah
0: yeah. Oh my god. I don't know how I missed that. I think Ve- Vegas epic. have done
2: some really good things with with their pre-game stuff like with bands and 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 some performances and, and things but they've also done some really odd things. But fair, fair play <laughs> to them for actually trying some new stuff out and and seeing what they can get away with.
0: Oh my goodness me. Well, I mean one of the things that I thought was was quite cool and quirky they announced John Tavares as captain um of Toronto Maple Leafs um and it was quite cute how they kind of let him in on the secret where he went to a room and there was his wife and his little baby and his baby was wearing a Leafs jersey which had the C on it which was quite sweet but the other little quirk actually um that Toronto really in their um Pre-season interview, uh, sorry, pre-game interviews and post-game interviews are massively, massively riding off the back of the Toronto Raptors success um, winning NBA last year. So um, one of the things they had in the locker room um, after the first game, they had the actual winning ball or a basketball um which they kind of uh, Mike Babcock throws to the who he thinks is the player of the game, um afterwards, um but he also was kind of uh he turned up at one of the the game interviews and um, pressers wearing a Raptors um jacket as well, and he keeps kind of saying you know our time is now, there like the fact that so many of the players witnessed them win, um and what it meant to the city that they're kind of going off on that momentum. So I thought that was quite interesting. How long do you we'll think see. that'll last though? Do you think exactly. in 82
2: games time, he'll still be wearing the Raptors jersey and throwing the ball about? Oh, or is I it don't... is it just going to be for this week?
0: Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, one of the cool little quirky things, I mean, we all know that Austin Matthews is bloody brilliant. And, you know, his shots that he's done in the last week have just been on it. He is Mr. October, whatever they call him. But what was the coolest thing about him was, so he got player of the game in that first game, and rightly so. So you see Mike Babcock throw the basketball over to Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews then, right, does that kind of thing where you put both arms out in front of you and then you kind of roll the ball up each arm and, like, do a wriggly little cool trick thing. Um, I was like, oh, you're just too cool for school, aren't you? So, <laughs> anyway.
1: Was there much of a debate about whether he was going to be captain or Tavares or was it always going to be Tavares?
0: I think it was It was expected that it was going to be Tavares. Uh, There's no great shakes about that. And there was the idea that some, for some of the younger players that it gave them chance to kind of bro into their contracts, their role, mm. that they were still quite young, whereas Tavares already having Bore the sea in in the Islanders, it, it it wasn't no great shakes really. I think it was. I think it was inevitable really. He was the obvious candidate. Um, but
1: see, the reason I'm asking is there's a similar situation with the Canucks with with Bo Horvat.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And for for years for years it's been obvious he's going to be the captain. And for years they've just sort of held off and held off. Well, well for years, a couple of years anyway. <laughs> um, because once um, Henrik Sedin retired, then it was you know who's going to be the next captain. It's going to be Bo. And it seems like they're finally getting around to announcing him but there's it's still being kept secret and kept secret you think it's obviously him it's, nobody else it can be surely so
0: how many years have you not had a captain for
1: uh, just last two seasons since um the sardines retired basically yeah and um, so, so uh, last season it was you know a load of um um people sort of sharing the assistant role um but yeah no actual captain um but yeah and then they'll they've sort of put it off there's no captain yet They're probably going to announce it. We're almost certainly going to announce it uh, at the game, the home game uh, this week.
0: Mm, It's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, I had never really thought about this until we kind of delve into doing this podcast last year. We, we, I think we counted something like five teams didn't have a captain out of thirty-one in the NHL. Don't ask me to name them, but um, I was quite—I don't know—I was quite surprised by that. I just uh, always assumed that there was always a captain, but. You know,
2: it's... it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I think, in in my head, whether you've got a long term captain or not, each season you should elect a captain, and that should be your your kind of your your leader for the for the season. Um, but in hockey, they seem to prefer to not have a captain and almost wait for some for a long term choice as it were so that they can be the captain for years to years to come and and I think that's quite different to other sports where you know in, in football you just it, it the armbands passed around to anyone they like kind of thing and there's a the club captain is elected each year but in in hockey it's not seen as a as a, a bigger deal and sometimes they just give it to the most skillful player rather than Somebody who yeah, would probably be classed as the best leader.
0: They they have a role on the ice, don't they? And, you know, when you kind of go and watch this stuff live, you, you know, as soon as there's kind of any disagreement over a penalty or there's a delay, it's the captain who has to go over and find out well what's going on um, on kind of on ice yep. as well. They're the one that the referee liaises with, not just any of the players. It has to always be that point of call. So, I suppose you also need someone that's kind of fairly cool-headed um, to mm. handle that stuff. Yeah.
1: The argument against, I suppose, is that if the players already know who the leaders are, do you really need the person with the badge other than for that sort of ceremonial, you know, official role? Also the pressure. Like the, the teams that haven't got one. Mm,
0: yeah, Sorry. the pressure that that kind of puts on an individual. I mean, Dion Phaneuf, when he was captain, the last captain of Toronto Maple Leafs, and we were just at the point of like absolute crash, boom, wallop. I mean, that's pretty much scarred him for his whole of his playing life. No, you know, disservice to him, but
2: I think if you pick the right character for captain, though, it actually makes them play better. Like because they take on that responsibility. Like if they're the right character, they'll take on that responsibility, and probably up their game more than um, they probably would if they weren't captain. You know they take that that seriously and and um kind of push on i think may, maybe Dion <laughs> and a few other players um kind of maybe they're not the right characters they can't deal with that that like you say it is a pressure uh, but I think a lot of a lot of players kind of thrive under that like who um I'm thinking uh Jonathan Taves from chicago um uh who was um, uh, Drew Dowdy, um, people like that—they they've taken on captaincies and and really um, dry, driven their team on further, and the, their performances have have, have improved. Um, I would say Jamie Benn apart from last year, <laughs> um, but when he became captain, he he started playing a lot better, got won the scoring title. So yeah, I think I think some some players really really take it on their shoulders and on their back and and, and push on.
0: Mm. Well, you mentioned Jamie Ben there. He's one of yours. Let t- Kind of bring us up to speed. What's happening with with Dallas in the big old central division? Because I've got to be honest, I am so behind. I'm glad that I've got you two on because I'm, I'm super behind in what's happening in the West at the moment. What um, is the score?
2: So we've played three, lost three. So on paper, it doesn't look too good, but um, we've lost every game by one goal. Um, we've played both of the Stanley Cup finalists so far, um, and we've also played Detroit. Um, last two games we've lost to a weird deflection and weird deflected goal. So I'm kind of not too worried. I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. There's 79 games to go. Um, I was joking with ads on Twitter that we we're going to finish 79 and 3, but I think. We've I've seen signs I mean we started slowly last year, um and, and pushed on. Uh I think St Louis showed us that you can have a bad first half of the season and go on and, and anything's possible. So definitely don't think it's time to panic. Seen some good signs. Um the big the big boys really haven't got going yet, so I think Sagan's got one goal, but other than that, Ben, Radulov, Pavelski haven't haven't really picked up many points. So I'm kinda of hoping that they they all start picking up and and uh, and we'll we'll be fine after that. But yeah, it's not it's not been the uh, the easiest of starts. I think we've got five games in seven days, and four of those are on the road or something like that.
0: Wow, Jesus! I mean, you had such a good run uh, in the playoffs last season. Yeah. You know, getting round to the second round. Hey, some of us haven't even got that far. <laughs> I wasn't going to um, bring it up. <laughs> it's fine. I can never forget. Um, beaten Nashville I mean brilliant and then you lose to the guys who went on to win the cup uh, unbelievable I mean and and the, the um uh, Paul who we had on who's a San Jose sharks fan last week uh was saying Joe Pavelski um a great pickup for you guys. We obviously at least got Jason Spetzer um from you as well. But what what's the kind of feeling around um Pavelski? Who else have you got in there? Hartman, Perry as well, that you've picked up from elsewhere to bring in this season?
2: Yeah, we picked up Perry and Sekoiro on on defence from Edmonton. Um I I think those additions are quite good and I, I I think the hope is that Pavelski pushes the second line, and he's already shown good chemistry with uh, Rupe Hints, who's kind of, I think, he's going to be our, our kind of standout star this year. Apart from the the big boys, he, he had a really good playoff run um, in his rookie year, and and already this season has got three goals. Looks, I mean, he's he's so um, skillful with his speed. Um, how how he always amazes me with any hockey player how they can go so fast on the ice, but still still make a skillful play but um yeah I think I think he's going to be the one to watch Rupert Hintz um I think the expectation in Dallas is quite big this year we've got I think we've got a small they always talk about the window to win and I think it's quite small um at the moment uh, maybe in the next couple of years um and I think with the run last year and this losing in double overtime to St. Louis, I think the expectations high. But um, yeah, not not get too too carried away. And we've started badly, so uh, we've got to got to try and pick it up and prove prove to everyone that actually we are we are good enough to go on another run in the playoffs.
0: Mm. You there was that incredible injury that Roman Polak picked up a few days ago. <laughs> I mean, ouch. But I mean, what I'm what I'm wondering is what what are you missing at the moment? You know, I, I th- mean, in Toronto for us, it's this idea of toughness and making sure our fourth line is set, and also defensive, by like pairings, and also just defence in general. As as a question mark next to it, so what's your question mark?
2: I, I I'm quite pleased with our roster. I think finding line combinations that work um, is is one. I mean. Game one, we got three injuries in the first period and a half, and uh, including the the Polak one. So we've already made four call-ups from the AHL. So we've got to quickly find line combinations that work and uh, are productive. Um, but I think I think other than that, the, I like our defense. We 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 can move the puck well, but I think in the first three games, we've we've made too many turnovers. So I think. We've got to just clean up uh, our exits out of the zone, and 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 I think then we'll be all right. With players like um, Klingberg and, and Heskinen, like they can really move the puck, and so um, and and also get the puck on net. And with Pavelski, hopefully, you know, probably the best tipper in the in the game. Hopefully, he can get a few goals uh, that way. But yeah, I, I'm kind of not concerned about our squad. There aren't there aren't too many areas, or I think it's too early to tell. Where we need um, to add anything, um, and obviously injuries. If we keep getting as many injuries, we'll we'll need to add something at some point.
0: Mm. I mean, I'm going to come to um, Canucks with Andy in a second, which is a really different kind of scene when we talk about goalies. But you have obviously got Ben Bishop, uh, which I love on Elite Prospects how it describes him in his little you know little description. Yeah. A massive piece of business, uh, which I just think is the best description for a hockey player ever. I mean, he's he's on five mil. His contract runs up at the end of the season. Yep. Um. He's he is this what you mean about this small window for Dallas in keeping hold of him and yeah? Making I think the most you've of got,
2: that. You've got Bishop and and also we've got we we're, we're up against the the cap at the moment. Um. We've got a few players that come off it at the end of this season and then I think there's some tough decisions to make I think Rupe Hintz is one that uh, I think next season he's going to get his payday and so there's if you want to bring if you want to bring through the younger players and they they start making an impact you're going to have to start giving them contracts Uh, we gave Esselindel I think it's a five year five and a half million contract in the summer so you know those kind of contracts start to add up Um, so I think the few, the the prospects of the futures looking good i think you know another window will come around people like haskin and and rupe i think they're going to be the the big stars in in the years to come that will be will be building a team around um but yeah i it's it's uh, it's, it's it's early it's still early we'll see
0: you were named as one of our dark horses last week so you never know.
2: Yeah, we've been named quite a lot as as Dark Horses. I think um, Elliot Freeman says he really likes us and uh, keeps going on about us, and I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or not. I think last year we kind of crep- crept up on the playoffs and I kind of like that under the radar, but um, likewise, I'd quite like to be winning every game and, and it'd be easy to get <laughs> make the playoffs, which is tough mm-hmm. in the Central because I, I do think it's the, the toughest division. I mean, it, it's every team in that division i think is going to be taking points off each other all the time mm. um so i think i think the central's going to be really tight uh, come the playoff race
0: yeah and actually andy that was something i was looking at um in in the pacific really of the how how tight things were how many points people needed to even get in the playoffs just last season and pretty much it was about 93 points or 96 points I think most teams Mm. needed to qualify so you finished with 81 points last season so you were quite a way up that but in your division you kind of called it a bit lucky that you've got Anaheim LA Edmonton in your division so that means that you're never the worst um which you know every cloud There's there's
1: probably three yeah there's probably three teams there that sort of stand out as being the ones you just expect to be at the top though it's hard to see the other teams like the Canucks catching Vegas, um, the Flames or the Sharks, really, because they just seem you know, much, you know, better rosters overall Although than what the others Sharks have. Although
0: Sharks are currently at the bottom of the league right now, so it didn't go to plan <laughs> with them with Vegas. So you never know. You never know, do you? Talk me through your your goalie situation.
1: Oh, it's, it's kind of interesting because um, Jacob Markstrom, who's probably the guy you'd, you'd expected to give way to, to the two younger goalkeepers, He's, he's just been playing really well. Um, he's come on a lot in the last year, and, and at the moment, he, he's hard to replace. Um, he, he's a big guy. Um, he seems to have you know, settled into the role just in the last season. Um, he's credited that too. He's got a goalkeeping coach called uh, Ian Clark, who has sort of simplified his game. Um, and the other two guys, a guy called Thatcher Demko and uh, Michael Di Pietro, are not really getting much of a look in at the moment. They think uh, Demko will get a few more games this season, but at the moment, Markstrom just seems to be um, the number one.
0: He's cheap, isn't he? As well, three million. Yeah,
1: three point six. Yeah. yeah, expect it. they'll probably move on from him as soon as they're happy that um, Demko is, you know, the, the guy to succeed him. But at the moment, he just seems a very capable um, uh, goalkeeper, mm. so they, they stick with him.
0: Let's just look at the, you know, the stats don't lie, as they say. It's five years since your team made the playoffs and you've been in the final twice in the last 30 years. Um, what, what, where, where, is, where is your team going? What are you thinking in the next couple of years, let alone the next season?
1: Well, they've got some good young players, um, which they're looking to bring on. You know, um, Elias Patterson, Rock Besser, Bo Horvat, uh, Quinn Hughes has sort of started to break in. He's a very exciting skater. And they've added a few players around them now to sort of um, to help them along. Um, Furland and Miller to the um, the forwards, and uh, Tyler Myers and um, Ben from uh, Montreal to the defence. So it, it looks like it should be a better team, but it, it's just got the same problem I think as it has last few seasons. It's just the depth isn't there. Mm. You know, once you get beyond the top players, you're going to people like Tim Schaller and um, Jay Beagle and. You know, players, Josh Levo, you'll be familiar with, who who really aren't, you know, top top talents and the sort of players you'd um, you'd build a playoff team around. Uh, And if you start to get injuries to the top players, especially, then you're struggling.
0: Yeah. What what do you think, where do you think your team will be at the end of the season? Are you going to make playoffs?
1: Well, in a funny sort of way, um, I'm thinking more about what's happening to our draft pick because um, we, we've um, sort of mortgaged the, the first round draft pick uh, on the JT Miller trade. We've got a, a, a forward from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's a conditional first round pick, which we're going to give to them. So if we do make the playoffs this year, then we give that draft pick to Tampa Bay. If we don't make it, then um, then we keep it. So in a way, I'm sort of hoping we, we don't make the playoffs. And I I, I I sort of think that's the way it's going to go um because the, the jump up from I think it was about it was 10 points what you said you said um in the playoffs last season i'm not sure we've, we've improved enough mm. to, to to jump that gap. 12
0: 12 points you needed uh, another 12 points to make the playoffs mm. last season yeah
1: which yeah i mean jt miller i think it seems to be a you know decent player but i think mean, that was it was the big talking point really for the Canucks um certainly at the start of the year this summer was whether it was worth giving up a first round pick for Basically, he's a good player, but a kind of a complementary player. So I don't think we're expecting him to score a huge amount of goals. We're we're sort of expecting him to improve the lines that he plays on. Mm. You know, whether it's with Patterson or whether it's with Horvat or or whoever, whether he's uh, played at centre himself somewhere. Um, yeah, he's, he's not. Doesn't seem like the sort of player you give him a first round draft pick for. Yeah. So we'll just have to see.
0: So Vancouver and Edmonton, is there still rivalry there? I mean, who do you enjoy? Which matchups do you enjoy? The ones that have the grit for Vancouver?
1: Yeah, them, the Flames as well. I think there's a bit of sort of local rivalry with them as well. There's um, nobody likes Boston because of what happened in uh, 2011. Uh, actually, nobody likes Boston. Does no, that, to
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> but I think that you have a, a very justified reason. You should probably explain to people who are not Canucks fans, just
1: uh, it, yeah it just went down to the the, the fifth game um and yeah
0: it, in the Stanley Cup the,
1: the two sides, yeah the Stanley Cups to say yeah and um yeah, it, it went badly <laughs> uh and um yeah that the Vancouver fans end up smashing up Vancouver i think after the game so it was it was yeah
0: i think there were some players that also said that they could never go to Boston and Boston players who said they could never be seen out in Vancouver for years afterwards, because the hatred between the two teams was so deep. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I think both teams probably had some players in them, which were, you know, pushed things a little bit, you know, there's um, quite a few of them still at Boston, but um Yeah, it it wasn't a nice rivalry, and the players, a lot of the players, have moved on. Certainly from the Vancouver side since then. But the fans don't forget, even if it was eight years ago. No, I
0: don't know if that's like a Canadian hockey fan thing as well. Yeah, that like the hatred amongst Canadian hockey fans seems to be so much more vitriol in them than uh, American hockey fans. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll wait and see what happens when um, Seattle come along as well, because you'd think they would also be a a potential rival depending on how things go for them but you know a lot of people from um, uh, sort of North America from the Seattle area would probably be Canucks fans at the moment and might then sort of settle on Seattle instead and you might get a new rivalry starting up down there. Mm.
0: So I just want to ask both of you for your divisions who do you think is going to finish top of your division because yours are a little bit more tight races at the top. So for Pacific, who who do you think is going to be at the top?
1: Vegas. I, I, yeah. I just think looking at their team, especially adding Mark Stone at the end of the last season, it's just the whole way through. It looks strong. Mm. The, the defence, maybe not the greatest, but still pretty good. They've got a good goaltender and they've yeah, just got a lot of good forwards and you can just keep bringing the lines on. And yeah, Calgary, maybe um, again, you know, they've got lots of good forwards um and yeah and the sharks again probably as well so i reckon vegas are those three
0: mm-hmm.
2: but
1: those three will be the top ones
0: what about central matt uh
2: unfortunately i think it'll probably be st louis i think uh they are very well organized um and every time i watch uh o'reilly i just <laughs> i'm impressed uh unfortunately um and i just think yeah i think they are. They've now got that winning belief as well. So I think during the regular season, I think they'll they'll kind of be the ones to beat in the in the central.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, we're gonna kind of um, get into a bit of a tidbit uh, info on goalie masks um, in a moment. But whilst we're kind of deep into hockey talk, we should probably uh, reference this kind of term under new management uh, that nearly a quarter. Of teams have new bosses behind their benches. Seven out of 31. There's only one rookie uh, which is DJ Smith in Ottawa Senators. The rest have all served time as a head coach in the NHL previously. But one little interesting fact that I did find when I kind of delved into this, and I don't know how I, I mean, I've kind of found him quite fascinating. Ralph Kruger of Buffalo mm, Sabres yeah. and um, he's ex-Oilers But even more interesting is when he kind of had this time out from the NHL, he went over here to basically be chairman of Southampton FC in the Premier League. Like, what? Crazy. He is the outsider with fresh ideas. That's what they're kind of penning him. But just listening to some of the, um, you know, the analysis and the interviews of him this week, he seems to be a people's person. Like, he's very good at kind of if a player needs to get their mindset right, if a youngster is struggling to kind of get up to speed with things, he's great at kind of getting to know the human behind the player, not always like kind of delving into the technical aspect, which I think is an interesting philosophy. You don't often hear that kind of approach as a coach. I mean, do you know much about him as a chairman of Southampton? I don't follow football, but you do, don't you, Matt?
2: Yeah, um, no, I don't. I I didn't twig that it was actually him until I was researching him as well. Um, But, yeah, I don't think he was that successful as a football chairman. Um, But, no, he he is an interesting character. And I think what you're saying about being a people person, I almost think that that's just what Buffalo need. Um, They've had a few rough seasons and they've got quite a lot of really good young prospects who it's kind of they've been in the nhl for a couple of years and now they need to really push on and i think that some of them have struggled a little bit and and i think maybe that kind of approach might help them and it's they've they've had a decent start so yeah
0: Mm. the other one that jumped Mm. out um so i should probably just read the teams that have all got new coaches anaheim ducks edmonton oilers buffalo sabres Florida Panthers, LA Kings, Ottawa Senators, and then Philadelphia Flyers. And Alain um, Vignault was one that I wanted to bring up with you, Matt, actually, because he was coach of Team Canada when you and Jolon were at the World Champs yeah. earlier this year. So you had a chance to see him in action behind the bench, I'm guessing. Did you know who he was?
2: Uh well I've heard the name and and kind of, you know, seen him on on TV and stuff but I wouldn't I wouldn't say um I would kind of spot him in a crowd. Um <laughs> <laughs> with most of the most of the NHL coaches I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'd be able to recognize them. There's only people like Joe Quenville with his uh, big mustache that uh, you can kind of recognize.
0: I don't know. I would recognize Mike Babcock. I'd go up to him and kiss his feet. <laughs> um but Elaine also used to be um Canucks. And New York Rangers yeah. boss. So I don't know whether and it I, was like a while ago, Andy, was it before you were supporting?
1: It was, but I know, I know a bit about him. And it, yeah, he's the best coach in Canucks history, I think you could probably say. Mm-hmm. He, he won President's Trophy, Stan, he got to a Stanley Cup final, didn't win it, obviously. Um, won the Jack Adams Awards. Um, and then I was just reading as well, he got fired for only reaching at the first round of the playoffs, <laughs> which, <laughs> which looking, well, looking back now, you think, my goodness, we could have... Yeah, well, wow, that would be everyone out last season. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, so he's got a, a bit of a history, and we've mentioned Quenville as well. But it's just the ones that are being given another chance that surprised me a bit in a way, because you've got some three coaches there, um, at least three. You just think, they haven't really done much. Uh, and they've been given another chance. Um, Dallas Eakins didn't do much. Todd McClellan. So why why are these people being given chances and not, you know, up and coming coaches? Well,
0: what's also interesting, just before we move on from Philadelphia Flyers, um, oh, with with Elaine, like the two assistant coaches that are under him have both been head coaches previously. So there are mm-hmm. three kind of head coach types at Philadelphia Flyers. How that kind of works with chemistry, people are kind of... It's one to watch, really, but one of which is um, Mike Yell. Um, who who was he? Was he, he was but, St. Um, Louis, St. wasn't Louis. he? St. Louis, yeah. So he's now assistant coach at Philadelphia Flyers or has some kind of management role. I'm not quite sure the exact title. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's only when you kind of delve a little bit deeper that you kind of start to spot these trends, really. And it's it's one of those industries where you think, God, you can't pee anyone off, can you? Because they're going to come back and haunt you. It is
2: very much a merry-go-round, like the same people just going round and round again. Like like you're saying, uh, Andy, these people getting another chance. And where are the the people coming from the AHL or, um, you know, I think... Um,
0: Well, that's where Dallas Eakins comes in, isn't it really? Because he made his name at A.H.R. Marlies and had that spell in Mm. Oilers, which was just basically a complete disaster, which even he admits. So this is another chance for him to shine. And I mean, I don't know, Anaheim Ducks, they're not kind of chomping off the bit, are they, to even make playoffs necessarily? They are going for a rebuild, from what I understand. So maybe that's the perfect place to kind of have someone... Be given a chance in the in the league.
1: And there's three of those, three of those um, coaches that have previously been at the Oilers, I think, as well. On that list. Yeah. And you think, well, at some point, you think, is it the coaches or is it the Oilers? <laughs>
2: and, you know, Maybe yeah. a bit of both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Couldn't possibly comment. It's an impartial <laughs> podcast. We support all teams and all fans. Um, but then, I mean, yeah, and then obviously Joel Quenville. I mean, you just. Florida Panthers. We kind of talked a little bit about them last week, but I think I think that it's just going to be such an interesting watch. If if we kind of look at what happened in New York Islanders last year and how they went from nobody had any expectations to Barry Trotz and Lou Morello really kind of like turning it around in that first half of the season, it kind of ends up being quite exciting, doesn't it? I mean, even Buffalo Sabres. I think aren't they at the top of the league as as we record this podcast right now? <laughs> Um so who, who would have thought the hat?
1: They started last season quite well, didn't they, as well? They went on a um, run
0: for ten weeks where they just basically won everything. Yeah,
2: they did. Yeah and then
0: everyone they, was like, That's fine, but never made playoffs. They blew
2: a tire, yeah. didn't they, and just couldn't couldn't hang on.
0: Well. Wow. Hmm. The Atlantic division is very interesting, that's for sure. So yeah, I don't know. I um I, I always find it quite interesting to see who are these people who get to kind of have these, these leadership roles? And I don't know if you read um, the book that Craig Costance um, put out last year, Behind the Bench. Um, is that what it was called? Um, but it was, it was interviewing um, significant head coaches. Joel Cremble, I'm sure, was one of them. And they went back to uh, one particular game and, and they sat down and watched that game together. And and they kind of paused it and talked about those moments and relived those moments. But like, you know, kind of with a different perspective that it wasn't at that specific time, but like a few years later. And it, it, I just find it really fascinating because they all just approach things so, so differently um, mm. that, yeah, it it's kind of like it's like business management, really, isn't it? How do you manage? Yeah. How do you manage life? That's where I, I enjoy reading the stuff that Mike Babcock has written his own books as well, actually. And I find I find that stuff fascinating because it kind of like, I mean, there are some question marks, say, on people like Mike Babcock. One of the things that they were kind of throwing about him the other day and it came the same criticism came during the playoffs. Why are you playing your third and fourth lines in some of the most important minutes of the game? Um, So like the final minutes and the first minutes of a period, those are the two minutes that you really don't want to get scored on because it could change the whole momentum. And so I can't remember, I think it was at the end of one of the periods he's playing our fourth line, which currently isn't set. So we're not even sure if they're the right people to play on the fourth line. So it's kind of like understanding the philosophy of, well, why have you done that?
1: Mm -hmm it's interesting you're saying about business management there because you know going back to ralph kruger again um you know he, he was put in a sort of a, basically a leadership role wasn't he a business role whether where you think the skills are not the same but they are supposed in some ways aren't they the sort of leadership skills they're managing people and southampton had um sir clive woodward for a while as well in a similar sort of role just for the same reason just because he, he was a good manager of people and he was a good organizer and, and you know maybe those skills are just as important as knowledge of the game in some ways Mm.
0: you know i don't even know who won the jack adams uh award last year was it tampa bay's um fella i don't even know you know it's just one of those awards that just completely bypasses me and i didn't even think to go and google it so anyway if you're listening to this and you know the answer and you're screaming at us (laughs) apologize but I know that you've all just picked up to your phone and you Googled it so that you look like you know the answer and we don't. So whatever makes you smug, hey. Um, I, I reckon that Matt's probably Googling it right now.
2: No, nope. sorry.
0: No, nope. okay. Hi. All right. Well, it,
1: it was someone who done well in the regular season, wasn't it? And I think it maybe it was the. time. I'm of, guessing, um, coach.
2: But. I'm, but. Or um,
0: maybe maybe the dude at Saint Louis Blues should have it was got Barry it. Trotz. I've Googled <laughs> yeah. it now. It was
2: Barry Trotz. Ah, really?
0: Yeah. Wow. Islanders. Yeah wasn't expecting yeah, that yeah. interesting right goalie masks okay before we uh wrap up goalie masks i love the weird little quirks so i know we've talked i feel like we've talked uh, enough hockey that i can now talk about weird stupid things i think this gives us permission such as hannibal and the Hamburglar are two things that i want to bring to the table so i'm going to ask you guys what your thoughts are on goalie masks in a second but, I mean, I don't know how many people kind of notice these small little details, but in the game of hockey, everything is kind of, it's all about protection, isn't it? You know, they're kind of adding blockers in their gloves, um, extra protection onto, like, their skates, because more of them are being expected to block shots. So if you're on the penalty kill, you're going to get more blocks in your equipment. Um, goalie equipment has changed dramatically over the years, but the goalie mask has always been, like, the little quirk that you get to show a bit of individuality. And not all of them do. Some of them like to just kind of stick with the same template year after year after year. Um, Like Matt Murray, for instance, pretty much likes to do the same thing. Always has the yellow stripe down the front. But then there are some people who love to kind of just go and, yeah, just play with it. Like Brian Elliott from Philadelphia, Um, has used the same artist for like, uh, well, Philadelphia have used the same artist for the last 10 years, Uh, this guy called Fran. And Brian Ellick used to be um, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan as a kid. So he loves bringing Casey Jones to elements of his helmet. Um, And so they kind of all like, yeah, these kind of dark, terrifying clowns and like, yeah, just just weird little graffiti um, faces but then there are other people who kind of have a bit more fun with it and um, one of the most famous um, goalie Mask helmet uh, sprayers, air sprayers, painters I'm not quite sure what the term is really um, is this lady called Sylvie and she does um, sealabrush.com and she does people like um, Vasilevsky, uh, Sparks, Anderson. But she did Andrew Hammond, Andrew the Hamburglar Hammond from the Sabres. And they even did this photo shoot where they unveiled um, the, the helmet, which has Hamburger the McDonald's character. It even has like fries around the chin. And so they took a picture of someone's hands handing out the helmet out of a drive through window to a car and that's how they unveiled his helmet, which I thought was amazing. So, I mean, I could, I could wax lyrical about this, but is this something that you guys have ever really noticed before, or am I just a complete geek and I need to get a life?
1: It's a rabbit hole, isn't it? Um, I think Rob um, shared some, some links to, um, to people who had created masks, and there's just so many different ideas and different designs I like these um, these colour-changing ones um, that Vasilevsky and some others have got, where when he gets cold, they, they change colour. And just the, this thought that goes into him is incredible. Yeah. I, I'd never really considered it in as much detail before, but when you look into it and you know, start to look at their Instagram pages and stuff, it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I didn't actually know, you know the, the film Hannibal, um, or Science, Science mm. of the Lambs, where he's got the Hannibal Hec- uh, Lecter yeah. mask? That mm. was actually designed by a guy who made custom goalie masks for the huh. NHL. Um, and and it is actually a repurposed goalie mask. And it took him five minutes to design. The guy was called Ed Cubbley. Now, Because I always thought, like, when you look at the early goalie masks, how similar they look to the, to the Hannibal mask. I never actually realised it was an NHL goalie mask.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Jason Voorhees as well, of course, with his... Who's that? Yeah, yeah, Alchemist. No, They've got the eyes of um, is it Halloween. You know, the guy with the big machete sure. and the, the mask. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, it's just absolutely insane. One of the ones that um, I thought was quite cool, actually, Jordan Binnington, who now, you know, none of us knew who he was this time last year. Now we all do. Um
1: yeah, second place in the cold.
0: <laughs> in his early years, he had. Um, He had one that had uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like Will Smith's character, on his helmet, um, which I thought was quite cool. It's good. Uh, Apparently, Carey Price actually he switches it up several times a year. So every time you play Montreal, if Carey Price is starting, have a look because he changes it up for like Remembrance Day and yeah, special occasions, which i didn't know i never realized that you just think oh it's a mask get on with I it i suppose
2: but the goalies are so covered up in equipment that actually it's their opportunity to show a bit of a bit of personality um a bit of a bit of who they are so yeah i, I really like the martin jones one the um the the mechanical shark i think that looks pretty awesome
0: <laughs> San Jose, And
2: yeah. uh,
1: what about really bad ones is there any really bad ones uh, that you don't like
0: not recent ones, but I mean, there was one guy, Drew McIntyre, who his one to see. I mean, I love all these like cartoons, Care Bears, Winnie the Pooh, My Little Pony. Ooh. Right now, <laughs> if you ask my four-year-old self, I would have been in heaven. But I'm a bit like on a goalie mask. It's not really very scary, <laughs> is it?
1: Have you se- Jacob Markstrom had a weird one because he had, he had like um, it was his ears were painted on the side of his mask, so it looked like he was wearing an old school hockey mask. And you can see like his hair and his ears painted <laughs> on the side of it, which was just weird. Wow! Have you,
2: I mean, the, have you have you seen uh, Anton Hudobin's mask? So his nickname's Dobby, and he's got Dobby the house elf from Harry Potter on the side of his mask. Oh. And I think he said recently wow. he doesn't even like Harry Potter, but he's a bit of a he's a bit of an odd <laughs> character. So uh, yeah.
0: It's just, I mean, it's crazy. I think even when you kind of go into the history and and the Hockey Hall of Fame has got some really amazing hockey masks on display anyway. Um, The one which uh, I've used for the photo uh, for this episode is um, uh, Jerry Cheevers. And what he did was he had a white mask that he wore. This is back in the 70s, late 70s. And every time a puck hit his face on this white mask, he would draw a line and some stitches. And so then mm-hmm. eventually, like by the time he wore the mask for a little bit, the whole mask was covered in stitches. And initially, you know, the, it, when um guys started wearing some of these masks in it was like the early 60s, even the coaches were like, get that mask off. You know, it's going to block your vision. It's going to affect your play. You you look like you're afraid. You don't look tough enough. So even in the 60s and the 70s, the goalies themselves were kind of still having to kind of justify why they felt they wanted to wear those masks. Um, so, yeah, this when you see this, this white mask with all these stitches all over the face, you just think, jeez. Yeah, I could see why you wouldn't really want your face to keep getting stitched up um, when you look at it because it's covered, you know, from top to bottom. you are going to be a mad person to be a goalie, haven't I you? I can't really? believe
2: they didn't use to wear masks. I mean, it just... Every, every time I think about that, it scares me.
0: Yeah, do you get scared often, Matt? Uh,
2: I do when I think that I might be facing a a puck coming at me without a mask on. <laughs> That's pretty scary thought.
1: Well, just a just lack of any yeah. sort of padding at all for some of the players. You look at it, wow. Did, well, obviously, they, they didn't realise st- I mean, yeah. even
2: now, like even with all the pads and stuff, they were complaining last year, weren't they, that um, there wasn't enough padding and they were still getting bruises. Who was it? Was it Hellebuck? Um, at the beginning of last season, really was complaining a lot about the new equipment changes and that he was covered in bruises after every game. And you just... You know those pucks must be coming at some pace to uh, to bruise you with all that padding on.
1: Yeah, I was explaining to my wife about the helmets as well, and about how they've got a visor over their eyes and the helmets, but nothing to protect the jaw. Yeah. Not all of them yeah. like
0: <laughs> they don't. Not all of them like wearing the visor as well. Some of them say that no. that, that um yeah, that it uh, prevents them kind of being able to see because it steams up or the lights reflect in it. So some of them have the visor on the helmet, but they li- they lift it up. Um, yeah. So, well, you know, it, it it's crazy, isn't it? And just even that, when you see the young players go from 18 to like, mm-hmm. you know, one day after their 18th birthday, they take the cage off. And you think, well, hang on a sec, yesterday you were in a cage. Why suddenly don't you? And is it is it a kind of thing to look cool and... You know, it's it's a very interesting, fine line of a sport, isn't it? Um, yeah. My little
1: son started playing uh, roller skate hockey and I'm starting to think, oh, I'm not sure I want him to go on this route because, you know, at some points he's going to get a puck in the face or he's going to get punched or something. Like, oh. Oh. I'm not, not sure I like that, but uh, yeah. It's, t- it's
0: yeah. all part of growing up. At, at,
1: at the moment, it's fairly safe. So.
0: <laughs> Just to kind of go full circle, actually. I used to do roller skating. I remember going to, like, roller skating discos. Do you remember those back in the 90s? Yeah. Mm. And I had um, Teenage muted Ninja Turtle. I um, Roller skates. <laughs> oh. yeah. So uh, there we go. That's, that's what connects me and Brian Elliott. Other um, the pointless facts that you'll probably remember <laughs> and then you'll forget all the important stuff that we shared with you tonight. Um, have I missed anything else off, guys, before we wrap up? Anything else you want to say?
1: All predictions. Do we need to make predictions? Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say that. So that all important question of who do you think is going to be in the Stanley Cup final? Who do you think is going to win? So East and West Coast winners, and then who's gonna take the crown? Who wants to go first? I don't I don't, don't wanna go at all. <laughs> <I
2: can't. laughs> it's too early. <laughs>
1: i'll go first you can copy that i'm gonna go vegas because i think they probably could and could have made it last year on um one side and i'm gonna go tampa bay on the other this is boring and predictable and they've got the ability to do it too so vegas tampa bay and oh um tampa to win
0: oh okay OK, well, uh, ben, finally. Matt, you'll be pleased to know that both Adam and Paul last week both picked Dallas as their ones to go through and win.
2: Yeah, well, they must be crazy. I don't know. Uh, well, uh, hopefully hopefully that comes true. Um, I can't pick us, so... Um,
0: Why not? Why can't you pick you?
2: Because I don't want to get... Well, well look, we've lost the first three games... So, if I, you know, I don't know, I can't pick them. That doesn't mean I don't want them to, and I don't don't believe that we can. (laughs) It just means I'm I'm not going to pick them. Uh, I don't know, I'll probably say um, somebody, I think I said, when I was on this time last year, I said Nashville um, from the West, Um, but I hope it's not them, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> Come on! Oh, I don't know. Come on! I don't know. Uh,
0: <laughs> We've got homes to go to. Uh,
2: yeah, I. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Wild card. Then I'll go. Um, buffalo from the east. What? Yeah. Wow! And, See your gobsmacked. And
0: who, who? Yeah. I mean, they're not even going to make the playoffs, mate. I know. I, I think on. they will.
2: I think they will. I think it's going to be the Kruger and, effect. We've, we've spoken so much about him tonight.
0: <laughs> right, and who on the West?
2: Uh, probably going to be uh, St. Louis again, I reckon. Although, I,
0: And who's going to win?
2: I can't be St. Louis again, so that means I've got to say Buffalo. What have I done there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is worse than when me and Jolon did a playoff bracket in November. Yeah, but Jolon just picked December. Toronto
2: to win for everything like
0: yeah okay buffalo <laughs> wow <laughs> i don't know whether many other oh, people are gonna say i'm the not same. gonna
2: be rushing to the bookies put it that way
0: i i think you should just so that then you can really stick the fingers up at us all when you prove us wrong <laughs> um because right now or or this time last year who would have put money on st louis blues to win the stanley cup nobody yep. nobody would have said that washington pittsburgh nashville toronto tampa would have all gone out in the first round so why not buffalo to win well never thought i'd be finishing this podcast saying those neither words. did i <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway it's been great fun thanks guys um Next week, we're talking Carolina Hurricanes, which should be fun, uh, with Paul Lawson. Uh, They're on an absolute stomping run. They've just won all three of their games in the first week. So can they keep that up? Uh, Also, we've got James back with us as well, who writes for the Ottawa Senators and Arizona Coyotes, but is secretly a Leafs fan. They're always out there, aren't they? We're never never too far. You're never too far from a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So be nice to us, because you never know. Guys, it's been awesome. Um, what have I forgot to say? I forgot to tell people that you can email us nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com if you want to join our Slack group where you can connect with us where we share videos and little comments and banter and, and generally you know abuse each other um, you can send us an email to get an invite to that Slack group and we're on Twitter as well at nhlfansfromafar I'll be Claire He's been Andy
1: hello Bye.
0: And he's been mad. <laughs> and that was possibly the worst ending of a podcast you've ever heard. But we'll be better next week, we promise. See you later. <laughs>